Hi, everybody, and welcome to Read, Watch, Play. I'm James. I'm Corinne. And I'm Justin. And I'm Cleo. And on this episode, we are talking about nine, 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 nine hours, nine persons, nine doors developed by Chunsoft, and I'm so fucking excited. If you couldn't tell, James is a big fan. James is so fucking excited. This is James's favorite game? Uh, actually, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's... I don't know. I don't know if it's my favorite game, because there's... I will say this. There's very conspicuously so much wrong with it. <laughs> but I do think it's kind of like a beautiful game. It it was very interesting. James, I enjoyed it a lot shit. more. Sorry. <laughs> what was that? No, I was saying, James, when did you originally play this? Ooh, I originally played this. I was in college. Because I, I was, I definitely came to it after the fact. I think this was shortly before Virtue's Last Reward came out. Um, I want to say it was my junior year of college. Uh, yeah. So I think that was when I played it originally. Because I definitely came to it late. I knew it was something that I was interested in playing, but I think that's when I actually decided to go out and, and acquire a copy. And Corinne, you were saying? Oh, I was saying that I liked this game a lot more than I thought I would. Um, it, it's definitely not the kind of game that I would ever choose to pick up and play on my own, but, you know, given a outside reason to play it, I, I really enjoyed it a lot. What do you think, Justin? <laughs> I mean, I've been amped about this game for a while. I started to play it the, for the first time, uh, in my, in our sophomore year of college, um, I was working for GameStop at the time and somebody traded in a copy and I was like, uh, and so I borrowed it. Uh, and I got, I don't remember how far I got a couple of puzzles. Like, I don't think I made it to the second big door choice. Mm. Uh, and I just, I at the time didn't have the time to play it and I had to take it back to the store mm. and I just, it's always been on my list. I never really picked it up. And now here we are. I, I mean, I loved it. It's weird, which is it, but in a right up my alley kind of way, yeah. Uh, and it's something that like begs to be picked apart, which I get a lot of enjoyment out of. Yeah. How about you, Cleo? What do you think? Um, I I think I originally played this back in college, but I had like very few memories of it for some reason. I probably blocked it out because I was so stressed out by it. But um, <laughs> yes, because I yeah I played it on the DS and gotten to like one of the standard endings i think and then later on i got it on ios and started playing through it again but didn't really get that far and so this is the first time i'd really like dedicated a lot of time to getting through different endings and i really i do enjoy games or stories in general that have like a lot of like twists and stuff and are kind of like they start out somewhat straightforward and then become a little bit more uh weird for lack of a better word uh this i don't know this definitely brought me to like the border of what i find acceptably weird oh oh yeah it the beauty is this one is relatively tame compared to the next game in the series <laughs> yeah like, that's the one where shit really gets nuts and the third one's coming out soon i'm so excited it's gonna go oh i've been sitting on virtues last reward since it was free on playstation plus and now that i have finally beaten 999 i can go play virtues last reward and i'm amped yeah i i will say this i 
I think this goes back to that comment of why, like, I don't know that I would say that this is like my favorite game, but I do think it is kind of like a beautiful game in a lot of ways where Virtue's Last Reward in so many ways fixes a lot of the things that suck about playing 999. And it makes it kind of like a better way to experience the story, but at the same time, it makes it it makes it simultaneously a better and less beautiful game. Because the whole shtick to 999 is that you have to play this game so many times mm-hmm. from beginning to end, and it you, you have to do that. It requires you to play through the game over and over and over, and it takes that into account. Like, it doesn't take that long to play through it once. And then being able to skip through text that you've already seen, it the whole thing is doing it over and over and over. And Virtue's Last Reward, for example, fixes that. It fixes in quotes. Where you just get this flowchart and you can bounce to specific like nexuses, kind of like you can in the iOS version for 999. Mm-hmm. Um, but it works better than that. Anyway, uh, but so you can do this kind of stuff and the choices tend to be binary as opposed to what you get in this where you might have up to three choices at a few different points. Yeah. And certain things matter more, certain things matter less. You get some of, you get less of the like really arcane, like, oh, you need to say this in this kind of inane conversation in order to trigger something important later. But it ends up still being really interesting and it smooths out so much in a lot of ways, but you do lose some of that like really, almost like you were saying, like the really weirdness of it, of where it's like, oh yeah, you're going to need to play this six times to see all of the endings and every single time you have to start in that cabin that first cabin and there's nothing that's going to be different from one time to the next you just have to keep doing it over and over which on one hand sucks but on the other hand i mean if you think by about the third time i had to do that puzzle i i think i breached through it in like two minutes yeah <laughs> yeah i mean the the puzzles were easy to repeat if you knew how to solve them like that it wasn't really much of a problem and i honestly like the the overall point the game was trying to make was so like like elegantly represented mechanically by the repeated playthroughs that it just you know it was really like incredibly well done from a design perspective right yeah really really good i mean Um, i just i personally one of my favorite things and it's how i'm trying to say this but i like it's less significant when i can't also spoil things but um how important it becomes that the game is played on two screens yeah, which ends up being really weird on the the iOS version, which I played this time because I played the DS version before, and actually I had I had lent my copy to someone, so I didn't have it on hand. So I decided to try the iOS version, and yeah, how kind of bizarre that experience is relative to playing the the DS one on two screens and how they do stuff with that. It it's a very strange experience. I would not recommend it. Mm. Um, I mean, if if you don't have a DS, I totally understand that. Uh, rumor is that this is coming out on Steam soon. Um, yeah, although I do wonder if they would present it in such a way that it would have the same yeah i'm really curious about that but i would say yeah right now we mentioned a few episodes ago that the ds version has become relatively hard to find yeah um and suggested that oh we'll just play it on ios i now having played through the ios version pretty extensively i would say i i can't wholeheartedly recommend that like if you just want to get through it and see the stuff that's one thing but you lose a lot of what makes this game in particular really cool if you just want to get through it and see the stuff watch playthroughs of it on youtube yeah don't don't just, get the iOS screen captures of, of ds anyway yeah. yeah yeah it's yeah it's such a tricky thing because i i don't really want to recommend that people like say not support the game by indirectly funding it via the ios version but at the same time that ios version is so kind of like awkward and subpar and you really do lose a lot of what makes it special like even say when you hit an ending i was amazed where i hit an ending 
and it said, okay, well now next time you play, choose these doors to get a better ending. And it just out and out says, like, this is how you get to... A- it, like, literally directed you to the, the like the true ending. Uh, it directed me to the safe ending first. And then it directed Right, and then after you did the yeah. safe, yeah. Yeah. But I, I was amazed. I was like, oh, well, that's... That loses so much of what makes the game fun. Also, the flowchart does not work very well because it doesn't take into account what choices you've made previously. Mm. So you can jump right to, say, the second door choice, and it will you'll get none of the benefits of having chosen a certain door earlier on. So you do have to play through from the beginning for the if you want to get the, the special endings anyway. Yeah, mm. that kind of sucks. Fun fact to anyone who's doing it on there and can't figure out why it doesn't work. <laughs> um but yeah, anyway, so it was interesting. It was really bizarre. And yeah, like like you were saying, Karina, you really do lose a lot of that. Oh, I'm sorry, was it just... It, you lose that two-screenedness um, that just in general came up. Yeah, it's it's very strange. Can't recommend the iOS version. And for a, a bunch of other reasons. It, there's It's so bizarre when you get to a screen that just says, and then we solved all the puzzles in the room, and then we left. <laughs> yeah, I mean, taking the puzzles out of 999 to me just takes everything out of it. Like the story is really cool, really weird, really interesting and fun to, to try to like pick apart. But the, the puzzles are what add the anxiety and the stress that are important to feeling in the story, like feeling really invested. I feel like, yeah, I think a lot of the puzzles thematically add a lot to the game and it's just like, Oh, we did some stuff. And I mean, there's literally one part where it felt like it stops just short of the text coming up and saying, we did a puzzle that is thematically resonant with the rest of the stuff that's going on in the game. And then we left <laughs> where it'll even just say something to try and indicate. Um, I think it's the operating room is, was the, uh, the one where it felt like they were getting really close. Just to, like trying to say, we're not, we can't let you do the puzzle, but we want you to understand why this puzzle is important to the story without actually letting you do it. I'm also just trying to figure out why, like I can't wrap my brain around why it would be so difficult to actually put the puzzles in the game. Like, would it just make it too big? Or like, cause it's all t- like it's all touch based. Everything you have to do to interact with the game is touch based. It makes me wonder if it's um, if it was almost it was if it was purely just a question of they wanted to get something out fast before Virtue's Last Reward came out, so people could play the previous one. Because I think that that's mainly the purpose that the iOS version serves is as a uh, to give more people access to the events of Nine Nine Nine. So they yeah. can play the sequels, but which I get, yeah. On on the one hand, but yeah, it's just it, yeah. Just don't play it. Yeah, I, it's it. I I find it really hard to recommend. But if you can get the DS version, absolutely do. Which I mean, we picked up new and sealed for twenty bucks on Amazon. So yeah, which is not bad. That's that's a lot easier than it was when I remember doing it. I wonder if it's come back into circulation because I remember having to pay more than that for a used copy. Yeah, because um, I mean, there was definitely a scarcity. I think at one point, yeah, they may have produced more once, uh, like Virtue's Last Reward came out. And I think Danganronpa has been a big, yeah, for I mean, Danganronpa has been their like money maker for yeah. sure, right? It's given them the ability to do this kind of stuff for fans of the podcast. Uh, same developer and publisher as Danganronpa, and I think that my understanding is that the success of Danganronpa has allowed them to go back and do the third game in this series and make 999 more readily available just because Danganronpa has been doing really well. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's just such a neat game, right? Like it, it already has kind of this sort of weird element. It's, 
it's a hard game not to just see in a store and pick up because it's one of the very few M-rated DS games. Yeah. I just remember the first time I heard that, I was like, what does it even take to be an M-rated game on the <laughs> DS? Like, to simultaneously, like, get, like, that Nintendo seal of approval and also be an M-rated game, it's... And even then, it's like, okay, you look at the demogra- the general demographic for the DS at that point, right? It has been, probably will continue to be in perpetuity, largely kids. So, who, like... What kind of developer went out and said, yes, this is where I'm going to publish my M-rated game. That's where I will find sales. We will be successful here. Kind of reminds me of a uh, game dev tycoon. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, it's just as like an object. It's such this weird, bizarre thing just in and of itself, regardless. Now I want to go play Game Dev Tycoon and make 999 and see how it does. Yeah. Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> Maybe that'll be my first perfect 10. That would be so very how do you, interesting. How do you guys feel about like the puzzle difficulty throughout the game? Uh, so I, I found the puzzles um, relatively easy. I mean, not like, you know, it's not like I was flying through them, but it all sort of, it all flowed. It all sort of made sense. Um, you know, if you if you looked around, you found all the pieces, you could put them together, and you could get through the puzzles, and nothing was, um, not nothing was like overly difficult. Except there was one puzzle that I felt had superfluous information that prevented me from, like, solving it sooner. That really frustrated me. That I guess we can talk about after the spoilers break. And I will say that I also, I, I had to switch over to watching a YouTube playthrough after, um, uh, for the, for the true ending. So the puzzle, some of the puzzles for the true ending, I didn't really do. And I had to stop because they were pretty difficult. Yeah. Those ones like super late game definitely get much more bizarre. Yeah, they they just don't. I don't know. They're very, they're, they're very mathy. Yeah, which is not a strong suit for me personally. <laughs> very mathy, and like there's nothing else in the room that sort of like leads you to the answer. Yeah, that's fair. Which is what all the other puzzles do. Like it all sort of like, all the pieces sort of stack up neatly, and you know if you follow them correctly, then you'll get to the solution, and, and it'll be pretty easy. But that. I want to say last room. Was it the last room? Yeah, if it's what I'm thinking of, which was like somewhere I definitely had to look at a walkthrough. Yeah, that last room. I was, I was actually, I was coming back from, uh, from home, and I was texting Justin, and I was like, "I'm on the subway, and these puzzles are so hard, and I can't do this right now. I'm done." <laughs> Ugh, it was frustrating, but only at I the ha- end. <laughs> I have to wonder whether what is it? Is it pronounced nonary? Uh, I think no- so. Nonary I, game. Yeah. I've been saying nonary, but... Yeah, I, I've heard both. I, I think I usually also say nonary, but I think that I've heard nonary, and it, yeah, it seems valid. All right, I'm just going to say nonary, because that's what I've been saying in my head this whole time. But Same. Bec- because of the structure of the game, and so much of it is dependent on like who can go through what door, like whose bracelet matches up with which door, I have to wonder if they, like, the developers kind of wrote down all the kind of equations first and then constructed a story and characters around them, you know, like starting off with the math first and then coming up with a story that kind of like 
matches the math. It could be. I. It's one of those things where I, I don't know what one came first, but I always, whenever I play through, I always end up feeling kind of impressed that it happened to work out so nicely. Yeah. It feels like the math had to have come first. I don't know. I mean, if like you, you can create whatever story you want to create. Okay, um, it feels like the characters came first, and then the math came, and then the characters were paired up with the math. Yeah, because the thing yeah. is, you can't... Like, I was thinking, you can create whatever story you want to create, and then give people the numbers that make it fit, but they need to fit throughout the yeah, entire game, which which then becomes its own problem. Yeah, and I mean, you can change where the number doors are, et cetera, et cetera, but it... Yeah, it's the kind of thing that... I don't know. It's like we've said a few times, where the whole thing feels like it's just a very... It's a really well-designed total experience, and it, it can be bizarre to play through, but on every single one of those playthroughs that you have to do, and because you do have to do multiple, because this is one of those games with a lot of endings, it you notice a little bit more about how, like, what, like, a carefully constructed clock or just, you know, elaborate ship death trap this entire thing is. <laughs> like, it... That's one of my favorite things about it, right? Is like the bizarre, like arbitrary complexity of the room escapes is such a wonderful mirror of the bizarre, arbitrary complexity of the entire thing. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it sounds like everyone was generally positive, at least. I mean, I'm looking forward to playing the next one. I will play the next one. And that's not like, you know, that's not, I don't say that lightly. Like <laughs> single player games, not generally my thing. Uh, games that are not on PC or at least a console, not generally my thing. Um, visual novels, not generally my thing. So there are a lot of things working against this whole gaming experience, but I think I would actually enjoy playing the next game. So that's a big deal. I will definitely play it and I'm looking forward to it, but I am also concerned. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if it really is a little bit more convoluted than this one. It is. Oh, it's so wonderfully bizarre and convoluted. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I gotta say, I big sigh relief. Always scary to share something that you like a lot with other people. <laughs> There's that pretty significant chance they're gonna be like, this is just garbage. <laughs> I don't like this, and I like you less for liking it. Yeah, right? <laughs> This is this feels like the kind of thing where I could there there are people with whom I could share this and they would have that reaction. Yeah. Not just I don't like this, but I like you less for liking it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean the game has its problems, but Oh god, yes. You know. What game doesn't? And at least this game's problems were charming in their own way. Yeah. I would agree with that. I mean it it makes some sense because again it's the same developer, but it's it's a lot of the it feels like a lot of the same stuff that we talked about with things like Danganronpa, where it's just like Okay, well, yes, here are these things that are just objectively problematic about this entire experience. But for whatever reason in this context, it's charming. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't even know how else you would describe it. But So um, do we want to do a, you know, play this game if you like kind of thing and then move through, move to the uh, post spoilers? I don't even, spoiler break? I don't know if there is an if you like for this game. <laughs> it's so well, bizarre. I do have, if you like those like real life physical escape the room games that are all the rage right now. It happened to be also my thesis project for grad school. Uh, I mean, this is definitely similar to that, except for it's just a digital experience, but a lot of the puzzles are very much the same kind of puzzles you would find in, you know, those real 
world escape the room games. Yeah, I've never done any of those real world escape the room games, but I do feel after having played nine nine nine, I am better at them than I would have been. I I did one with work, and it was the kind of thing where I remember just feeling like I had an unfair advantage over the rest because I would go through and I'd be like it. Because the hardest thing to get over is understanding escape the room puzzle logic. Right. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing where you hit the point where you're like, okay, so I've got this piece of meat. I'm probably going to need to cook this piece of meat to get the paper that's hidden inside the frozen piece of meat. Yeah. And like it, bizarre stuff like that where then when, when we were doing it with work, I was like, oh, it's probably it's like, what on earth are you talking about? I was like, I don't know what like the best way to save face and also say, trust me, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Wait, James, didn't you say that there was a night or like a zero escape escape the room game somewhere in like California or did I dream that? No, that's true. I don't know if I was the one who found it, but yeah, there there was a zero escape branded escape the room thing that uh Arxis or Spike Chunsoft did. It was in LA. Everyone yeah. has bombs in them and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh god. God, I want to do that one. But you yeah. want to have a bomb in <laughs> <Great>. you? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's stuff like that, though. Yeah, I just remember doing that. I mean, like, oh, no, so this, like, bizarre cylinder is probably, like, meant to be a reactor core that we, like, put it at. Like, what on earth are you talking about? I was like, no, this is just how, like, this kind of puzzle works. And it's like, how do you know how this kind of puzzle works? Don't worry about it. Escape the room genre is not that weird. Like, it's been around for a while. And there's plenty of even, like, flash games on the internet that are escape the room type games. So... I don't know. I don't think it's that weird. You don't have to tell them that your knowledge comes from obsessively playing this weird garbage Japanese <laughs> <is> game. <laughs> yeah. I say garbage affectionately. Oh, no, I, I agree. <laughs> I, I love this game, but I, in most kind of, objectively speaking, there's a big part of it. It's like, it's, it is this just beautiful, weird garbage Japanese game. You know, you might also like this game if you like extremely like... I want to say, like, metaphysical and just plain meta, like, stories and very, like, existential kind of things. It's got a really, really philosophical uh, storyline and very, very deeply thought-provoking. Yeah. there, There's a term for that. Is it a, I'm going to fucking say this wrong. It's like an ontological something I'm, I'm totally pronouncing this wrong or thinking of the wrong thing. i don't know where's snake to explain all of the smart stuff to us <laughs> okay so like ontology i am probably saying Onco- this wrong the study that's, of that's, cancer that's wrong is, uh, no ontology ontology oh. <laughs> yeah. is the philosophical study of the nature of being becoming existence or reality as well as the basic categories of being and their relations so if that interests you <laughs> you might like this game yeah, pretty much. And if you don't like either of those things, but and you don't even like visual novels, and you don't like puzzle games, and you don't like handheld games, you might still like this game. Yeah, it's very possible that you might still like this game. So basically, everybody listening should just play this game. Just yeah. do it. Just give it a shot. Buy a DS, buy the game. Maybe wait for the Steam release, see if that's a bit easier. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, maybe. But... No, yeah, and I, I would even say, like, the last layer to put on that is, I, I, I've said it a couple of times, but I think it's just, like, a really well-designed, well-thought-through just package of a game. So if you're interested in stuff like that, I think that this is a, like, a really good example of a very specific kind of game design you just don't usually see. Yeah, and not only, not only is the game, like, the structure of the game perfect unto, like, for itself, it's also perfect for its platform, which yes. is really cool. So this game is kind of a study in game design. 
a weird one, but there are many good things you can learn from it. I I completely agree. It's also pretty dark. I mean, it got a lot darker than I was expecting it to. I wanted to see more dead bodies, honestly. (laughs) I did not think there were enough. After playing Danganronpa, I was pretty sure of how dark this would get. But see, I feel like that's one of the big important differences, right? Is that with Danganronpa, there's that weird note of like humor. Whereas with this, the humor is much more awkward. And even in that, like... In this, the humor comes from it being awkward, whereas in Danganronpa, it's all like this weird, bouncy, dark humor. And I mean, but even then, say Danganronpa's got like a kind of weird neon color palette, and this is all like dark and dreary, and the blood is red instead of pink. Yeah. And kind of weird stuff like that. It's it's what made the first Danganronpa, I think, sit so strangely with me that first time I played it, which we talked about in our, our Danganronpa episode. But things like that, where I remembered just the tone really sitting strange and it's because i was so used to 999 and that just like really just kind of straight hard dark m that they went for yeah but yeah i would even say that the darkness though doesn't just come from like the body count the fact that like lives are on the line there is like an existential horror there oh yeah for sure delicious existential horror right back there apparently escaping has a lot to do with dealing with existential horror, who would have guessed? Yeah. All right, but I think this is a good spot for the spoiler break because we're getting real general and dancing around stuff because... Yeah. I want to talk about specifics. Absolutely. I'm so ready. This is a game of specifics and yep. just really just digging into them, so... But we can only say nine specific things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or we could say... As many things that as have a digital root of nine. So we could say 18 specific things. Exactly. But every time we say one more than that, like if we get to 19, then we have to keep talking about stuff until we get to 27. Yeah. Oh, we can do it. <laughs> all right. So with all of that, that, that will be our spoiler break for our 999 episode. Definitely make sure to come back for our next episode, which will be our topic episode for our escape series. And then after that, we will be going into Solitude. Is that what we called it? Yes. Yeah. Where we're going to be reading uh, the Wind Up Bird Chronicle. We're going to be watching Lost in Translation. And we are going to be playing Gone Home. I'm so excited for Gone Home. I love Gone Home. Yeah. Gone Home is Corinne's 999. It is. It is. It's such a good game. We're going to be talking similar things about design perfection when we get to Gone Home. Gone Home so good. It's so good. But... So yeah, so that will be our next series. Definitely make sure to stay tuned for that. Hi, everyone. We decided to try something new with our escape series and include a story summary before we dive into spoiler territory. If you're already familiar with 999 and don't need a refresher, then feel free to skip ahead to 30 minute mark now. I will warn you, though, this episode in particular, you might want to hold off on finishing if you have any interest in playing 999 yourself and haven't yet. This game is full of twists and reveals that are really best experienced firsthand, and uncovering the mystery of what the hell is actually going on with this puzzle-filled death ship is the core of the story. We wouldn't want to deprive you of that chance to witness this insane narrative unfold for yourselves, so we're going to give you a few extra seconds here to stop the episode if you so desire. Alright, if you're still listening, I hope that you're confident in your decision. Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Doors begins with Junpei, our 20-year-old protagonist, waking up in a third-class cabin of a cruise ship to find that he's locked in and wearing a strange bracelet that resembles a wristwatch with a number 5 on it. All he knows about how he got there is that he was knocked out and abducted by someone in a gas mask. 
After you solve the puzzle that allows Junpei to escape the flooding cabin, he runs into eight other people. There's Ace, a charismatic older man, Snake, a blind man who is dressed like a prince, his younger sister, Clover, who vacillates between cheerfulness and melancholy, Santa, a young man with a bad attitude, Jun, who is actually Junpei's childhood friend Akane, Seven, the tank of the group who is suffering from amnesia, Lotus, a pragmatic woman prone to getting into fights with the other members of the group, and the ninth man, a nervous guy who was really only interested in saving himself. The individual in the gas mask who kidnapped everyone and brought them to the ship introduces themselves as Zero and explains that the group is here to participate in the nonary game, which works like this. Each person is wearing a bracelet with a number from 1 to 9 on it, and they must pass through a series of numbered doors until they reach a door with a number 9 on it. This is the exit. In order to pass through these doors, they must form groups based on their bracelet numbers in order to create the digital routes that match the doors they wish to use. Zero tells them that they've all had bombs implanted in them so that if they try to remove the bracelets or bypass the door locks, they'll explode. This is exactly what happens to the ninth man when he goes through a door on his own. The story plays out in different ways depending on which doors you choose to go through and occasionally what dialogue options you choose. Regardless of your choices, however, Snake goes missing at one point and the group stumbles upon what they assume to be his exploded body later on. In a couple of the game's endings, the grief over losing her brother causes Clover to go insane and kill Junpei. On other paths, though, it's revealed that Snake is actually alive and has been locked inside a coffin. The man who exploded was an unknown person dressed in Snake's clothes, thus causing everyone to believe Snake had died. There are other endings in which Ace, who was revealed to be the evil CEO of a pharmaceutical company, murders Junpei. It is only in the true ending, however, that the identity of Zero and their motives are revealed. We'll be covering the events of the game's true ending in depth later on in the episode, so I'll end the summary here. We're still in the pilot phase for our summary section and would love to hear any feedback you might have. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at RWP Podcast or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash RWP Podcast. Let's get into spoilers from 999. Oh, man. All right. I have a question I want to ask right off the bat, just to, you know, keep the mood light. Who was everybody's favorite side character? Mm. I know my answer. That's kind of a tough choice. Yeah. Yeah. Hard hidden questions. Because everybody's a little irrational and kind of oh, does really dumb is shit. Terrible. And that's what makes it so fun. I think, I think the. Oh, man. Do you want me to go first while you guys think? Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. All right. My favorite side character was Lotus. Yeah. Without a doubt. She was, she was such an interesting, complex character. Like, she comes in dressed in, I don't know what, you know, I don't know what she was doing when she was grabbed, but she's dressed like, I'm not going to say stripper, but I'm going to say like, maybe she served beverages at a really bizarre, high-class Japanese, like, men-only club-type place. Does that make sense? I mean, I think the description at the beginning of the game is it's like a like a dancer's, a dancer's outfit. outfit. Yeah. yeah. But, it, but even then, like, it's a very skimpy dancer's yes. outfit. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. she's dressed very skimpily and is very prominent breasts throughout the entire thing, which are often emphasized very bizarrely in the game. Yeah. But also, she has extensive coding skills like yeah she's like black hat hacker level yeah Yeah. like like she's definitely got hacking skills and also she's a mother yeah 
So she was a wonderfully complex character, and I really, I really loved her. Once I found out she was a mother, and there's all those jokes that Seven makes about her being old. Like, how old is she supposed to actually be? Because fuck if the character model doesn't make her look, like, mid-twenties, maybe. Um, I got a... I mean, character model, I at least got a, like, a 30s vibe from her. Yeah, I mean, that was probably... There was too much exaggeration on my part, but, like... I could see 40s, though. That's what I that's what I think they're actually going for cuz like 7 I mean 7 goes as far as to like make fun of her wrinkles. Well, her kids are probably like around 21 based on the fact that the previous thing happened 9 years ago yeah. and they were probably in like the 8 to 12 range. Yeah. So like early early 40s to early 50s. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, potentially. Maybe even a bit younger. I mean, could have had kids young. But but yeah, I think probably that 40s to 50s range yeah. maybe. So that's just that was one thing that seemed odd. like her age versus her presentation of the game seemed kind of off to me. I think that they wanted to make it so you didn't immediately think of her as someone who might have had kids. So that could be a, a big twist. More shocking, but I agree. Yeah. But it is the kind of thing where it it is hard to hold those two things together where someone talking about it's like, oh, wrinkly old lady. And it's like, really? Because mm. I can see the character model. <laughs> um. I I think if I had to pick a favorite, it might be seven. Okay. Oh, damn it. I was going to pick Lotus, I, and then I was going to pick seven. I was really worried when she was talking that she was going to pick seven. I'm sorry, James. Um, seven is the only one who I feel like either doesn't have an actually twisted backstory and who feels like like he can be kind of an ass, but the only one who, who feels almost like a genuinely good person. And on top of that, he's great with Lotus. Yes. And I think there are also routes you can take through the game where he'll spend a lot of time with Clover, and they end up with kind of an interesting relationship. Yeah, and that's the, the those are the things that, like, him and Lotus have their thing, mm. uh, but it was the the two moments for me that really did it with, with Seven was um, when you go with him and Clover into the operating room puzzle, and later on in that same puzzle when you have the conversation with him when he starts to get some of his memories back mm-hmm. uh those t- and then i mean there's the later revelations right like the idea that he he's a detective and that he is the reason that, that everybody in the in the first nunnery game was saved like those things improve his character overall but the things like that i experienced in the game that made that made me like lean that way are, were pretty much those two moments how about you Leah? I'm going to have to go. I mean, I was also thinking Lotus and Seven at first, but I really like Clover and I specifically like Clover and Snake's relationship together. I mean, like their whole storyline, their arc is pretty intense. Yeah. Like with like the shit you find out. And I don't know. I was genuinely surprised by a lot of stuff that was kind of revealed about them. And I don't know. There's a lot of like emotional moments with those two. Fun fact for everybody, Clover is in the next game. Oh, that is fun. I am all about that. But what about Snake? What happened to him? I I won't say anyone other than Clover, because Clover is the only one who is, like, obviously in the game. Mm -hmm. Um, It it is kind of like Danganronpa, where, like, there are people who have, like, effects on the game and are in it or not in it to, like, various degrees or at least mentioned, etc. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Clover is, like, explicitly in in the next one. So fan of her i i did like clover a lot and uh specifically i really liked you know having seen all of the 
I didn't I didn't play through to the coffin ending first. I went at Justin's recommendation. Yeah. I went I skipped one and did like two, three, four, five, six, and then you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really really nice to see after seeing Clover like break down in all these different ways, and it was really nice to in the final playthrough be able to make the choices that would help her get through it and persevere until she found out that her brother wasn't actually dead. Mm-hmm. It was really nice to help Clover. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, that was very gratifying. Both in a redemption of the character sense and in like a self-preservation sense. Cause fuck that girl is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> she has the potential to be. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah I, I had the her... ax ending first. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a rough one to do first. Yeah, I was like, oh, first. yeah, that's how this ends, I guess. Which I think is great, right? Because depending on the order that you get those endings, which is going to be different for most people, yeah, uh, you can go through and have a totally different sense of what, say, Clover is like on your next playthrough. If you get one of the endings where Clover kills everybody, yeah, you spend you spend the rest of the you spend the rest of the playthrough terrified of Clover, right? <laughs> Versus if you get, say, the submarine ending, um, where you just... You th- You're suspicious of everyone. That, right, and it suggests that there's someone else on the on the boat. Though I think that the uh, the canonical explanation for the submarine ending is that uh, Ace did it. Yeah. Yeah, um, he was faking his death. And that he, yeah, what? he fakes his death there, and then that's that's the shadowy figure at the end of that one. Mm-hmm. I've got to say, it in part to avoid double-picking, but also because I think that he is an interesting character. I I like Santa a lot. Um, I don't think I necessarily like him as much as I like Lotus, and particularly then Lotus with Seven. And I completely agree that Clover and Snake are are great together. But I think that uh, Santa is way the thing that I like most about Santa is that you feel like he's just kind of okay, but justifies himself well enough throughout all the endings and then you hit the true ending where you find out what his actual deal is and you realize that that adds such a great like coloring to everything that you've seen of him so far yeah and particularly that he's one of those characters where depending on your route through the game you can actually develop a very different relationship with him depending on how much time the two of you spend together Mm -hmm. which i like a lot and happens on and off with some of the other characters but i think most explicitly with him but to jump right though to true ending stuff that revelation that he is june's brother and that he's been like zero's assistant the entire time and has just kind of been manipulating things and trying to keep eyes on everybody it it's one of those i think really good examples of he feels like someone who was already had already justified himself as a character but was maybe one of the less interesting ones but that's okay and then being able to go back and just add that other layer i i remember liking a lot I want to say two things since we started talking about the true ending. Number one is I I really like how at the very, very end, they're like, I bet you're still wondering about whether this time paradox, you yeah. know, how that plays out and cut to something completely different. Yeah. And two, I can't believe the final, final puzzle was timed Sudoku. It was a timed Sudoku because puzzle. Because I have been training for this moment my entire life. <laughs> It's, uh, it's so cool. <laughs> Have you seen that Penny Arcade comic where Gabe needs to like fix like pipes in his home? And he's got all the pipes laid out on a cloth in front of him. He's like, okay, the water starts here and it wants to get to there. 
I've been training for this moment. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's that same thing. It's it's that same great feeling where it's just like, really, this entire like crazy like just clockwork death trap ship ends with just a Sudoku puzzle. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Wonderful. Oh. But of course it ends with Sudoku, right? It is the ultimate personification of the entire concept of the Nonary game. Right. And yep. Honestly, I can't believe I didn't like suspect this was all going to end with Sudoku sooner. Right. How could it end with anything else? Which is in and of itself just a wonderful, wonderful concept. Oh. What if it started there? What if the game started with that? Yeah. The, the time Sudoku puzzle in the incinerator. Mm-hmm. Like the developers were just like, we, you know what? We really like Sudoku. What can we do with that? Yeah. How can we really expand on this whole Sudoku concept? And this happened. <laughs> yeah. That would be pretty great. <laughs> okay. So should we, do we just want to dig into the true ending and, and go over it and talk about how the things inform it and, and talk about, yeah, that seems like a what good it means, or because like otherwise we could talk about each individual ending before the true ending, but I feel like it's it's better to just sort of talk about them as we need to. Yeah, yeah, let, it feels it feels good. Let's start there, and then we'll we'll bring other things in, and then we can kind of do a a last sweep up round at the end to make sure we touch on everything else. Yeah. Everybody, start thinking about what your favorite puzzle is, because oh, I want to yeah. I want to come up with that. I want to bring that question back around. God, not the library. I want to say one more thing, and it's specifically about the library. I don't know if you saw our Slack, but I was like James. Really? 999? Really? Yeah. Really? And I want you to understand that that was the point. I got to the library and the first shelf I picked and the f- the first like individual stack that I clicked on, it was like, oh, this shelf has a book by Abdul Elhazrad. And I was just like, are you kidding me yeah. right now? Are Is this really where 999 is going with this? Yeah. Just bringing in the Necronomicon? Yeah. Like, what is this nonsense? And then I clicked through and was like, oh, he wrote the Necronomicon. I was just like, oh my God, you're fucking kidding me. Are you fucking kidding me? But then, but then, that thing that happened at the very, very end. Yeah. I, that was the big thing. I, I saw your Slack and you're just like, oh, like I'm playing. And I remember going through, I was like, okay, well, this could be one of at least a dozen different things. So I really <laughs> don't know what you're talking about. There could be so many things. It's just like, there's so many really 999 moments. <laughs> yeah. The, the biggest one for me was the the very 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 end and just casually name dropping the necronomicon yeah the, just like uh, a set piece honestly it wasn't a really moment for me it was more of a wow moment for me it was uh ice nine yeah just that the entire game is so like deeply involved in a small archaic concept of one kurt vonnegut book yeah <laughs> which is a very good book and, yeah. a, and a phenomenal author cat's cradle but like Damn. You I had just finished reading that book a few months before we started this. I love Cat's Cradle. You have to know a lot of things to be able to appreciate all of the references in this game. I will say that. Yeah. And they do a good job of giving you the context that you need to get through it. But yeah, it's very much that kind of thing where it's like you can go through without getting any of the references and it'll still be good. But as you go through, the more that you know about all these different things that get pulled into this story the the more you're going to get out of it i agree there was a certain point where i was like i do not know enough about history or anything to know like to know what's real anymore yeah i know the titanic happened yeah <laughs> that's right. about yeah. it <laughs> where their sister ships is one a hospital ship where, like did, did, i want all of these things to be true and i'm like pretty sure they aren't but i don't even want to look so there is a list online of real life references in 999 and it says like what 
has some truth element to it and what is just like kind of absolute bullshit but the thing is a lot of it is like a little bit of both like it's based off a of truth like titanic did have a sister ship and apparently it was called gigantic at one point yep um but then they renamed it to the britannic and but then apparently white star line kind of denied that this stuff happened uh but like futility is apparently a real book yep uh, and that's, it's funny because, like, that was one of the things that I was sure was going to be like, hey, like, that one isn't real. No, yeah. The book but that exactly predicts the Titanic. <laughs> and it's, I don't know, that's like, I, I definitely felt some dread while playing this game. And it was because of these, like, first of all, the music, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, that is know. some, like, freaky music. Yeah, I mean, it was just like, it was so much, like, kind of weird pseudoscience stuff. But then some of it was, like, based on, like, real things that had happened. So I wasn't sure what to believe at any given point in the game. Yeah. There was a really, really great balance of just enough truth and you didn't really exactly know where the truth was. And so... It just called everything into question. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. Good. They do such a good job with that. But... So... So true ending. Yeah. So... Without without just flat out summarizing the game. Right. Uh, So I guess kind of first first context, true ending being difficult to get as as we know because it actually requires you to see a different ending first and if you go the right path you end up with the coffin ending if you've not seen this other ending first because naturally you need to use the morphogenetic fields that exist between realities to send this information from one universe's junpei who's seen these things and knows this code to open the coffin to the other universe's junpei who can open it without having to go to the safe obviously yeah, I mean, I no other explanation would even now. It's just now. Yeah, but it's perfect. The beauty of it is that you've you've been at the point where in like most rooms, someone brings up this idea of sharing knowledge through some kind of field that no one else can see. So at this point, you're just like, yeah, okay, <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. I gotta say, these characters all have a lot of kind of like seemingly random facts memorized. They all knew so much about the symbols for different planets. Yeah. I was, that was really the part that, that I was just like, there's no way. There's no way that this many people know all the symbols for planets. It's because they all watched Sailor Moon growing up. Like, Actually, that's no, how I know. They were all part of the same puzzle or designed the same puzzle originally. Yeah, that's, nine years That's before. really why. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, the game's set in 2027. For all we know, that's common knowledge at that point. Is it set in 2027? Yep. Uh, I did not know that. The I timeline definitely wise, missed that. <laughs> no, I, I don't know that it's necessarily made explicit uh, within the game. Uh, but timeline-wise, the first Nonary game occurs in 2018. Right, uh, well, this one is nine years, years later. Um, so 2027. Um, and the other games in the series are various, placed variously. But uh, yeah. Um, so that is one of the kind of neat things is the idea that the whole thing is technically i mean it's obviously sci-fi but it is the kind of thing where it's when the game was released it was still like yeah this is this is all something that's just going to happen in a few years was was the premise for it and it given, still could was, well yeah. given that this is a game that talks about the book futility yeah i mean i'm just saying that'd be yeah the game is crazy this could be the, the modern day futility that would be bananas i want it to i don't want it to happen i do not want children to die wait shit do they die, though? Do children die? I don't want children to be traumatized. There we go. That's a safe answer. 
I would just say, by and large, none of us really want to live in the Zero Escape universe. It's a dark, scary place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess in 2027, just everybody's good at math. Like, how crazy was it that everybody could just do digital roots and all the combos of digital roots at any given second? Like, I don't know. Just... It was nuts. I don't know. I'd be sitting there and like, I never pull, I, I refuse to pull out the cal- the in-game calculator and oh, I would yeah. always do them in my head, but I just like, they would be like, yeah, just, you know, there's no way that any of these kind con- like in like the second door choice and Lotus is like, no, there's no way that any, any of these number of other combinations can work. There's nothing we can do. It's just not going to work. And I was just like, how do you know that? And they're acting like it's so natural that everyone just can immediately come up with this at the top of their head. Like Clover like whips out a sheet of paper and has like quickly writes out all the equations. And if there's somebody, I think like at 1.7 is like a little bit behind everyone. Like he hasn't put together that they can go through like the nine door together. Mm-hmm. And they're like, God, like why are you so far behind us? Obviously like our digital route, blah, blah, blah. Out of all the f- fictional universes we've discussed so far on the podcast, I have a feeling that the world of 999 would probably be the worst for me as a dyslexic person who can't really do math at all. Like, calculating a tip is difficult for me. Digital roots, like, on the top of my head while, like, only having a, like, finite amount of time to get through these puzzles just seems like a nightmare. Yeah. It is kind of fun that the game teaches you a few of the kind of fun tricks to digital roots, like where just say the nine bracelet is really powerful because you can add it to anything and not change its digital root. And Mm -hmm. you start seeing uh, a few of the things like that and you start getting the heuristics, which is kind of neat. Though I wonder if we could go back, if you were to go back, do you think that certain characters would be better at digital roots, not necessarily because they're better at it, but because they orchestrated the entire thing? Or participated. Yeah, or even then, so let's say, do you think that some... Do you think if we were to go back, we would find that, say, Ace, June, Santa are particularly good as people who have orchestrated, who have set up nonary games in the past or present? Or, and then you've got Lotus, who would make sense because she's like crazy smart and more mathematically, mathematically inclined. And then you've got maybe someone like Clover who has to go and write them out. Because she's like familiar with the concept because she's done it before, but maybe not as like intimately as someone else. Hmm. Maybe when she did it, uh, Snake was doing them off the top of his head because he's so fucking brilliant. Yeah, but she's like familiar enough with the concept that she can go through. And she's like, yeah, no. So like, I, I've got the general gist of this. I can do these, but I need to write them out as opposed to being able to hold all of them in her head. Yeah. That does kind of match up to what I remember from the character interactions. Yeah. Like... Um, Santa would always just say, no, 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 that combination's impossible without any sort of writing or number fiddling. Lotus would be able to do that. Um, I don't remember Ace bringing it up very much, which is also in character for him. Yeah, and... June, June doesn't really talk about anything at all. Yeah. No, she stays very, like, very, very intentionally out of a lot of those. I was going to say passive. Yeah. She stays very passive. Also, oh, crap. Never mind. Never mind. I just forgot exactly what I was going to say. Well, okay. So, I mean, on the subject of the true ending overall, we should probably get into how this game is technically supposed to end. Yeah. So I know that we, we would have had a, a bit of a summary before this, but probably worth going in and actually talking through what the, what is up with the true ending? Cause that's some, some weird shit. Some weird Seriously? shit. Yeah. What the fuck happened? All right. So I can go through my, understanding of the true ending 
which I feel pretty confident in because I've gone like read outside stuff, but there is a certain amount of stuff that is left ambiguous and is either filled in in the sequel or that people are hoping will be filled in in the third game. Um, there was also, I didn't get a chance to read it, but there was a pretty extensive Q&A with one of the lead developers that's like on the 999 site Yes, that answers a lot of questions. Yeah, that does go through and fleshes out a lot of things that are... Um, one answer in particular that made me sad, and I'll bring that up later. <laughs> but yeah, so, all right, so my, I'll say this, my understanding of the 999 ending, which I think is pretty solid, but this point is about all we've got to work on um, <laughs> is that as you're going through the true ending, it is revealed that zero is, or I guess rather that June slash Akane is zero and right. has orchestrated this entire thing. This is because she and her brother, Santa, who is uh, Aoi, who I yeah. think comes up a few times, um, were part of the first Nonary game, which was organized by Ace and the Ninth Man and the uh, the ship's captain, who, well, the, the quote-unquote ship's captain. Um, and, and and Guy X. Guy X, yeah, was, yeah. was the other one. Were the, were the four people who are named at one point. I don't remember what ending you get their names in. Um, so they were the kind of executives of this cradle pharmaceutical organization, who were trying to cure Ace's... I, I can never remember how to say the name of the disease. I, if I had it spelled in front of me... Prosopinosia or something like yeah, that. Yeah, is Prosopagasia. I feel like there's an A in there. Yeah, but the fact that... They're trying to cure the fact that Ace can't see faces. Um, so, again, naturally, they uh, take a replica of the Titanic, and they sink that, and they fill that with nine kids... And then they set up a whole different facility out in the middle of the desert, again, standard practice, and fill that with another set of nine kids. And it, very importantly, each set of nine kids are siblings. Yes, exactly. So one set is the direct siblings of the other set. Exactly. Except for Santa and June, who are mistakenly both sent to the same place. Okay. If I remember right. Yes. I didn't remember that part. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, which was kind of one of the big the big flaws in the plan. So all of this is a big experiment in morphogenetic fields, which are the things that kind of get brought up every so often, usually after each major door choice. Someone will, over the next room or two, make at least one reference to some instance where some substance or molecule or person or whatever will start doing something or gain knowledge, and then somehow that information will spread across all of the the instances of that thing across the world. So they're trying to use that to cure Ace's inability to see faces. <laughs> and as part of this original Nonary game that occurred nine years previous, Akane ends up trapped in the incinerator because she like goes back for like the doll that Junpei gives her when they were kids, something like that. But she goes back and she ends up caught in the incinerator after they had technically escaped and ends up and it's it's because of ace like yes he, he traps her, her in there like as a because he's a sadistic asshole yes exactly so he throws her in so as a part of all of this she dies santa goes on but now in an alternate timeline 
where Akane survives, she, it through reasons that are not yet clear, she and Santa make a huge amount of money by investing in stocks, largely cradle pharmaceutical. I think there are some implications that they end up doing particularly well because they can, they have this ability to detect morphogenetic fields and sense the future. Um, also, though, they invest in Ace's company. So they go through, they make a huge amount of money, they take that money, they spend it on setting up another nonary game, and as part of this, they kidnap the four executives who were responsible for the original one, make sure they are included in the game, set up this entire thing as a way to make Ace kill the other three, and then also include various other people who were somehow involved in the original nonary game, explaining where every individual come character who's in this comes from which is more specific than i'll get into but they do all of this with the real secret intent of getting junpei who has a close association with akane to go through all of this and then have him end up in that same situation as her so he can solve the sudoku puzzle and telepathically send that information back to past akane so she will survive, thus creating this universe in which she goes on to become Zero and yeah. set up the second nonary game. It's a closed loop. Yeah. Uh, like, time paradox. Yeah. So if you're still with us after all that... It's, it is fantastic and bizarre. It makes barely more sense than what I just said, even if you go and play it. Though there is a lot of helpful context, and you learn a lot more Honestly, about the other things. Honestly, it, like, saying it, it sounds like crazy and insane but like playing it and after each successive playthrough um it it feels relatively normal like it feels like it was all building up to that point anyway so you just kind of take it in stride it's actually really well done and it's one of my favorite things about it because even if you can sit there and just be like all right well this is objectively ridiculous one of my favorite 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 things about it is it's got this amazing it so we we've talked a couple times about ludonarrative dissonance right and this is one of my favorite examples of that kind of going the other way, where in this situation, it is heavily implied that you as the player solving the puzzles for Junpei are actually Akane sending him information from the past slash this alternate timeline, where you are helping him solve the puzzles and you solving the puzzles and be able, being able to think everything through for him is at least in part these flashes of inspiration that Junpei, the character, would not have been able to think through because you know more about the puzzles than him, particularly in things like that first cabin where because you've played the game before, you can just go and find the key cards and skip half the puzzle, which I love so much. Yeah. It's so cool. But yeah, so this is one of my favorite things about it. And then it goes through, and then this is how, why it's important that you have information from other playthroughs, and that allows you to go and do things and give Junpei knowledge that he wouldn't necessarily have yet. I, it, yeah, it's, I wish there were more instances where you could do that. That remains one of the really frustrating things with the game for me, is that there's only, there's only like one real meaningful instance where that happens, and that's the the safe ending and the, the true ending. Right. Where you use the information that you gained in the safe ending to so Junpei knows something he shouldn't. But I I don't know. It's just one of my favorite. It's another one of those things that goes back to what, what we were talking about earlier, where the game does such a good job of knowing like it it's on exactly the right platform. It's got exactly the right like kind of design. It's such a well-designed, well thought through thing. It's I, mean, I don't know if anyone remembers the uh 
it was like a GameCube role-playing game called Bait and Kaitos. I remember it existing. Yeah, I never got to play it. I mean, it's it, it's not amazing. Don't get me wrong. It's not necessarily worth going back to. Sorry, Bait and Kaitos fans. But um, it does do one thing that's super cool, and it's that you, the player, aren't playing as the main character. You're playing as like a spirit that gives him like suggestions about what to do. Or, or Majesty. Like, we've talked about Majesty before. Oh, I love Majesty. Yeah, where it's that same idea that you don't directly control anything. You are, like, a, like a king who's going and giving, like, putting bounties on things. But you're not actively controlling your players. So, I really like any game that does that. Where it's like, no, you as the player are actually, like, are not this character. You're giving it these things. It's why you can only, I think it's meant to suggest why you can only influence Junpei at certain uh, key moments. What you're going to talk about, or what door you're going to go through, or how you're going to solve a puzzle, but that, like, in the rest of those moments, he'll do things where you're like, well, I wouldn't do that. That's weird. This doesn't feel like me. And it's like, oh, because it's not you. Yeah. It, I don't know. I, I, don't know. I, I think it's really cool. But yeah, it, it is super bizarre and out there, and it only gets weirder as you keep going. Not the least of which, because through the end of all of this, it is ultimately revealed. When you come up out of what you thought was a sinking ship, you are actually in a facility in the middle of the desert, uh, which was the fake facility where they had some of the kids in the original Nonary game and that you were never actually sinking. Or in any danger. Yeah. Well, except for the bombs. No, no. No, the bombs are not there. The bombs are only real... For the people who are always intended to die. That's right. I forgot. The bombs are only in the executives. Yeah. Yeah. So ever any in. Yeah. So the bombs were never going to be a problem and the ship was never going to sink or blow up. Yeah. Because there were, I mean, there were people on this ship that they didn't want to kill. Yeah, exactly. They explicitly, I mean, obviously June explicitly doesn't want to kill herself and Santa. Right. I mean, the the whole thing is to create the timeline in which she survives. Yeah. Don't want to kill Junpei because obviously that would would have the same effect. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I mean, is there an, obviously doesn't want to kill Seven. Seven's half the reason she's alive. Right. Lotus, did she like willingly give up her kids for the experiment? I don't think so, right? No. No. So like, I mean, she spends what, like the rest of her life trying to figure out what happened to them. Right. So this gives her like, this is to give Lotus retribution. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. And then of course, all of this, we have the bizarre compounding of, so throughout all of this, we have this kind of side plot about the Titanic and ice nine and all ice slash Alice, the Egyptian mummy who was like supposedly on the Atlantic who, as your characters drive off into the sunset trying to find Santa and June, who have driven off ahead of everyone else, pick up a hitchhiker who is Alice the Mummy. Yep. <laughs> Which, yep. I mean, there's a couple of reasons this makes perfect sense. It, spo- uh, it is explained later. <laughs> uh, at least as far as I know, yeah. what makes sense to me is that she was in the coffin. Yes. And taken out of the coffin so that the snake could be put in the coffin. Yes. And there, the the thing that I don't know that might be explained later, and I'm not asking you to explain it, is just that how she gets outside. The really unexplainable thing is how she knows what the like universal sign for, for hitchhiking, hitchhiking is. is. Yeah. Well, if she is also a master of morphogenetic fields, she might have just been uh, absorbing information while she was in the coffin. Because she was not dead. I will say this, not spoilers, because again, uh, just like you'd see it in, in the game art as you start, uh, Alice is in Virtue's Last Reward. 
Yeah, I, I've seen that on the cover. Yep. They have some explaining to do. <laughs> <laughs> that entire game has some explaining. Oh, God, you don't even know the best parts of I'm, it I'm like, probably going to start it tonight. It's so good. Um, I want to play it with you. That'd okay. be really difficult. We should do it anyway. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that my whole thing is that for whatever gap needs to be filled of how she got from the ship to outside. But as soon as she's outside, it's like, you know, 100 degrees out in the middle of the Arizona desert. Yeah, I don't remember if they explain how she got from within the facility to outside of the facility. But as soon as she gets outside, the, the ice nine the would other melt. Car, and as they drove away, she woke up and then she popped the trunk and rolled out onto the ground. I mean, yeah. That's how I envision it. Uh, but yeah, so one of the things, the thing in the interview that made me really sad is that a lot of people would interpret the ending as like, uh, you know, Junpei meets up with with Akane soon after and you know they get to spend their lives together and and like fulfill the the love that they clearly felt for each other and what like prompted a lot of how this game happened and the like game director in the interview was just like no Akane was always just kind of a step ahead of Junpei and they never see each other again huh and I was just like real sad about that what (laughs) yeah right what what yep why wouldn't they just reconnect nope doesn't That's happen. So out of character. There might be there might be reasons. Oh, there. Are James reasons. is flailing over there. I. All right. Well, it's it's one of those kind of weird series that feels like it was maybe intended to either end with to potentially end with the first game and just have a really weird ending, mm-hmm. or then expand to a trilogy. And it ended up in the weird spot where it expanded to a sequel, and then the third game took forever to get like. Funny. Right. It's ex- it's it's expanded to a trilogy, but we've waited so long for the third entry that there's so many questions. Right. It's kind of the big thing, but it, the weird thing though is that uh, there are a lot of things that are left like hanging, but not wholly unsatisfactorily. Right. In nine nine nine, that are expanded upon in Virtue's Last Reward, but even then, like I a I wouldn't spoil that, but b. I don't even know how confident I am because Virtue's Last Reward has a much more intense cliffhanger. Because mm. cl- that's the one where clearly they were expecting to have the third one, you know, go through. Oh, well, fuck. Now do I wait to play it until the third one comes out? The third one comes out like this month. Perfect. Oh, yeah, no, Great. it's like about to come out. I didn't, know it was, I didn't know it was this close. Yeah, it's like, it's this summer. It's like June or July. Oh, I'm so happy. Yeah, like zero time dilemma. June? All right, definitely starting it tonight then. Uh, yeah. Oh, God. So what is the franchise name? Zero Escape. So it's Zero Escape. Yes. But the third game is called Virtue's Last Reward, Zero Time Dilemma? No, the third game is Zero Escape, Zero Time Dilemma. Okay. The second game is Zero Zero Escape, Escape. Virtue's Last Reward. The first game, I don't think that Zero Escape was appended as the, or I guess, I I did look into this. It was not. So like it is still marketed and sold as Nine Persons, Nine Hours, Nine Doors. Yeah. And I don't think that they... Yeah, it was always just called that, and then later they're like, oh, Zero Escape, Virtue's Last Reward. They're like, oh, so is this... Like, no, Zero Escape is the secret name of the series. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Anyway. How, right. how similar are the are, is Virtue's Last Reward, like, mechanically? Have, um, did you start playing Danganronpa 2? Not yet. I know. I've been meaning to. I mean, so at least from my own understanding, is it is it... Does it make sense to say that like Virtue's Last Reward is to 999 as Danganronpa 2 is to Danganronpa? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It, it smooths out a lot of the really rough parts that are simultaneously nice to smooth out, but also were the things that made the first one such like a unique, well-designed thing. It's 
it feels like less of an art piece, but also a better storytelling <laughs> kind of thing. It loses something and gains something at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's the same deal, though, where you're you're not, like, moving freely in any, like, meaningful way. They go to a bunch of, like, 3D character models, which is, works sometimes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's the same. It's it's still a visual novel with room escapes. Um, okay. And occasional branching path choices. Some of which require you to have seen other paths before your character has, like, information from some alternate timeline that would allow them to progress in... I just love the idea they can make a game where this alternate timeline is like a mechanic from the get go because yeah. everybody knows what's going on. Yeah, that's part of what amps me so much about Virtuous Us Reward. It's pretty cool. It's a good game. But before we get too much into Virtuous Us Reward, because we are, <laughs> this is not yeah, about, this is, <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it at some point. We'll do a special edition. Yep. <laughs> just we'll like, just do a zero, zero escape, escape episode. episode. Yeah. 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 Our topic for this month is zero escape. We're going to be playing <laughs> three games. <laughs> We're gonna do nine 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 again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll just wait for the inevitable nine 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 film adaptation. Oh my god! Wow. And we'll we'll find a way to uh, to go play a real nine 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 room escape game. Yeah. I want to do that so bad. All right, still off topic. All yeah. right. Uh, so I have a question for everybody, and I asked you to think about earlier. What was your favorite puzzle? God damn it! So it's kind of a tough thing, right? I I feel like I have a certain Stockholm syndrome for the uh, third class <laughs> cabins, but. The very first puzzle. Yeah, the you very mean? first puzzle. Yeah. Um, if only because, like, by your, like, third time through it, you're just like, yeah, I'm so good at this. I'm, like, using information from the future. That's kind of cool. And, like, you feel like you're starting to get at something. And then when you realize that that's kind of what the game is about, it adds, like, a, it's it's the same deal as, like, Santa, right? Where it's like, oh, this feels like it justifies itself in its own right. And it's kind of cool that I know that I can just get these cards and just use the right ones. And Junpei is just like, okay, I guess I just got that right. Weird. And then he moves on and you're good to go. Which is admittedly basically what the iOS version of solving the puzzle is. Oh, yeah. And you totally lose that in iOS, which is sad. Yeah. Um, But you at least are like, oh, I have this information that I can like secretly like give to the character. And that's pretty cool. But um, and then again, like, but still, it's the kind of thing where it's like, so let's say you play the game, let's say 10 times, which is way more than you need to. But like maybe you're not using a guide or you're trying to get through or you don't use a guide until time, let's say nine or 10. I would say it's 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 neat the first time. It's kind of cool around three when you realize how much of it you can skip, and then you really hate it for like five to nine. <laughs> but and then after the after the final true ending, you have a new appreciation. Yeah, for you it. think it's pretty cool. So I, it's weird. I it's simultaneously one that I like a lot for those reasons, and also one that is just oh my god, you do it so many times because you can't avoid it. Yeah. From the aspect of simplicity, I think I like the gambling hall. Oh yeah. A lot. Um, if that was just a that was just a fun room. Yeah. Because like it doesn't. There's like there's no big story moments, so it doesn't slow you down. Um, you can move through it pretty quickly. But like the first time you're solving it, it it feels very fun. Yeah. Um, and then I also really liked the uh, the wheelhouse, where you had to like navigate with the with the ship by doing the coordinates or like the yeah, the directions. Not in the least because my um, great uncle who is very mysterious and has a house that's larger on the inside than it is on the outside. Nobody knows what he does, but he has a lot of money. That <laughs> uncle. He He's the doctor? Who knows? <laughs> um he has a like a, a ship like like a speed indicator thing just in his house as decoration. And mm. I loved playing with it as a child. And I think a little bit of that nostalgia was coming through for mm. that puzzle. I think the lab might be my favorite puzzle. 
The lab's a fun one. Because I really like how it takes the power out of your hands for half of it. Mm. Right? And you have to, I mean, sort of. Like, you're telling Clover what to do. But I remember, like, that was the, that was the only puzzle that made me mad. <laughs> yeah. Because there's the point where you tell her to get the adapter, and then you go over to the bars, and it's like, Oh, Clover's not paying any attention to you. And you go over to the window. And it's like, Clover's just walking around holding the adapter and she's not going to give it to you. And I was like, the fuck is this? I don't know what you did, but that's weird. So I didn't, I think, what did I tell her to do? I don't remember the sequence of how I did things, but all I know is that I had like, I was bouncing back and forth between stuff and I had the power cable and I knew the power cable didn't work. And I had given her the ethanol and told her to try to use it, but she hadn't used it yet. Because, like, you give her the ethanol and tell her to use it. And she's like, well, how do I use it? And I was like, I don't know. You find something to use. Your clothes? <laughs> Kidding. I'm not a pedophile. And then, like, you you can look at the table again. And she's like, well, what do I use? And I was like, I don't know. And then I was like, all right, whatever. I'll figure this out. And I was, like, doing other stuff. And I told her to get – she found the adapter. And I was like, cool. Just bring – she's like, all right, I'll meet you over there. And I walk over to the bars. And she just doesn't come over. Oh, yeah. There's like you got to click on the table, like, a million times for her to, like, find a cloth there. Yeah. And then I finally hit the table enough times to – like be like oh there's a cloth there use that and then when she had done that and uncovered the thing she came over and brought me the code and the adapter it's interesting i uh i don't think i had a problem knowing to hit things multiple times in that room so it's interesting that i mean i usually do hit things multiple times but i don't normally do it more than two times and i feel like to tell her to spot the cloth you needed to yeah, do it needed, three times you three, definitely and so i just i hit it a second time and i was like all right whatever and i started looking at other stuff so that created that unique situation, which I actually, like, in, in the moment, I was like, what the fuck? But afterwards, I was like, well, I, okay, I kind of appreciated that. I also like that room, Corinne, um, like the, yeah, the wheelhouse, right? Yeah. Where, with the directional stuff and, like, the full the stop. I think. The bridge? Um, but I think, I don't know, my favorite might be the first class cabin with the piano puzzle. Oh, I really like that. Oh, uh, that was good, too. Because there was that moment, and I had this in my first, like, real Escape the Room game. Also, or I should say, like, physical world, I don't know, Escape the Room game. Um, where, uh, well, dur- during, like, the actual Escape the Room, or, like, the real world thing, there was these, like, there were these plane tickets or something, and they were in Russian. And I got really excited, because I was like, oh, my God, I have a skill that will actually like really help people because no one else here speaks russian i could read this and then it i looked over and there was like an english translation right next to it and like i felt so bad because i just i felt (laughs) special for this one glorious moment and i had that moment again with this because like i can read music (laughs) this is going to be and then it turned out it wasn't even like it wasn't like reading music at all because all the notes are messed up and different but it's still i don't know it still kind of helped that i could I had that, like, skill, I guess. It helped a little bit. Um, but, I don't know, there's something kind of fun about that disappointment. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm, like, a masochist. But it's like, oh, I can do this thing, and then it's absolutely, like, not the thing that you thought it was going to be. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the, the musical part. Um, the first thing I did was I, like, figured out what the, like, what a full uh, scale was on the the piano like the exact order of all the notes i could have played like other songs by the end of it i just trialed and erred until i was done (laughs) but i've never learned anything about how to play musical instrument or reading music so i did really struggle to figure out that you had to like pull the drain in the tub because i just didn't see it 
Oh, yeah. Mm. I think I had to look that up, in fact, because I was just like, I do not know what to do here. And it was just that my eyes were shit and could not see this drain. Well, because they also hit the point where they're like, oh, well, let's pull the plug. And you're like, no, 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 wait, we might need the water. And then even after you use the water, it doesn't necessarily kick in. Like, it didn't for me kick in right away. I was like, okay, now I can drain it. Yeah, now you can drain it. Yeah. I think that my least favorite was probably the captain's quarters. But that was because... I was very frustrated with the uh, paper you found in the desk under the monitors that had all of the like like numbers and letters written out like the hexadecimal thing. Yeah. The way it had four separate lines of it made me think that the solution was related to those four lines. Mm. And like it was just it was it, it felt like it was too much information and that it made the answer to the puzzle seemed like it was something different than what it was mm. so i just throwing that out there that annoyed me also there's a lot of hexadecimal in this game yeah oh my god yeah. after they brought that up it was like hexadecimal in every room yeah including like the I, kitchen pardon including the kitchen and it's like hexadecimals do not belong in the kitchen yeah <laughs> <laughs> i remember i uh i mentioned i i wrote up kind of a a guide for the game and i as part of that i did some just like general notes where it's like oh if you want to like solve the puzzles yourself but might be stuck and one of the big things that are like the biggest section there is just like a like a primer on using hexadecimal mm. um but yeah that comes up a lot it this game is big on themes yeah it finds a thing and just runs with that yeah speaking of the kitchen though that's always one that i remember not liking very much because it feels like one that you ought to be able to jump through because you have the information yeah. from previous playthroughs, but you can't because you need to go to the freezer and see those conversations and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it, it feels like the kind of thing where I always remember that was really frustrating when I was still like just playing through, trying to see all the different permutations the, from like my very first times playing uh, that I did without a guide where you could go through and I was like, okay, I'm convinced that like going through this kitchen is like an important part for this. And I just remember playing through that so many times, being like, why can't I just end this? <laughs> of course, not realizing that it's important that you go to the freezer so you can either express interest or not in Ice Nine. Yeah. But yeah, not objectively a, a bad room, but one that I definitely remember just being so frustrated that I couldn't just type the code in at the end and be done. I did quite enjoy the novelty of having to cook a piece of meat to get a, a code. <laughs> I think my just, least favorite was the um that final room with like all the junk everywhere oh god yeah. i don't even think that one counts it was just like <laughs> it kind of did feel like oh here's some leftover puzzles we didn't know where to fit elsewhere we're gonna just throw them in this room with the rest of the junk and you can do it i remember not really liking the library much either there's so many fucking books that you have to go through and it's really hard to keep track of which ones you've already clicked on. Yeah. I had independently decided that I wanted to search every single shelf in the library. So I think that made it a little less laborious for me. Mm-hmm. So, oh, also I found one of the bulbs completely by accident. Like I was like, oh crap, I only have two bulbs. Wait, was there a shelf I missed? And then I like went back upstairs, clicked on a shelf, clicked on the thing, bam, found the bulb immediately. I was like, oh, well, I guess I missed this section. Good thing that worked out so easily. Nice. <laughs> I, th- I don't know i thought that was a cool puzzle yeah although i, I like i definitely knew which book it was before like before i had to turn all the lights on and i was like okay okay i know the solution can i just grab the book please mm-hmm. but i could not yeah so are there any other i don't know highlights that someone anyone especially wanted to, to go back to oh i hope everybody got the chance to uh select the um 
Oh, yeah. The dialogue option that comes up at one point that was uh, because she'll be trapped alone in a small space with a boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I avoided it both times, and I regret it. It was a mistake. I need to go it watch the scene. an objective mistake. So that's one of those things that's really kind of weird about the iOS version, where it feels like it does try to... It, it certainly uh, adjusts a lot of the dialogue. It feels like there are a lot of things where... Um, It'll go through and it's like, oh, we used like the, the Saturn key. And then Seven will be like, remember the Saturn key that I told you we found in this place? And he's like, no, you never told me that. This is the first time I'm hearing about the Saturn <laughs> key. So it makes it really kind of awkward to do that. But one of the big things, though, is it'll also try and send you through several of those dialogue options at the same time. Because it actually doesn't let you choose what dialogue option you're going to do. Uh, yeah, the only choices that you make in the iOS version are the doors. Um which is very strange. Huh. It's, yeah, another one of those reasons why I, I can't really recommend it. But, um, yeah, so just to confirm, is this the one that leads to just talking about, like, getting wet and having just the huge misunderstanding about... Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it is... Because they send you through that one, The guaranteed. longest, most painful and awkward yeah. conversation ever had between a male and a female of the human species. Yeah, it's... It's fantastic, though. It was wonderful. Yeah. I enjoyed every single moment of it. I missed that. Now I'm sad. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it's it. worth... I mean, it's not worth playing all the way to, but it's worth looking up. Yeah. Yeah. Find a video, get to that point, and just enjoy. Oh, did anyone have a moment? Like, I mean, everyone obviously probably had several moments where a little bit more of information was revealed, and you came up with, like, a crazy conspiracy theory about how the game was actually going to end, and it ended up not being right. But mine was, uh, as soon as I started mentioning the siblings, like the one in the building, building Q, yeah? Yeah. And, um, and one on the boat, or ship, excuse me, um, I thought for sure that Junpei and Akane were going to be siblings. <laughs> and it would be like, oh no, we've fallen in love with her <laughs> siblings. Because <laughs> that, I mean, like, because you, they start bringing that up uh, like a decent amount before it's revealed that Santa and Akane are brother and sister. Yeah. The old Luke and Leia situation. Yeah. I just, I was just suspicious all the time. Yeah. Mostly of Ace, which I guess was warranted. I, I I was mostly just expecting him to either be zero or to stab everybody in the back or any number of things. And I guess that second one was correct. Depending on your ending. First one's yeah. kind of correct also because... He's the original zero. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have a question. I don't know if this is ever explained. Why the heck did, did Seven lose his memory? I don't think that that is explicitly explained. Why the heck does Seven have amnesia? <laughs> does it come up? In Virtue's Last Reward? Not that I remember. Okay. <laughs> um, I that think is, that that is pretty specific. Tonight. There might be an excla- explanation for it somewhere along one of the tracks or something like that, but I don't I don't remember if there's one explicitly. Because like, that's induced amnesia. It has to be. Otherwise, it's way too convenient. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I don't remember if it was something about just like Soporil that makes where like an overdose can result in amnesia or if it was... I mean, it seems like the kind of thing where... Just blunt force trauma? Yeah, right. Where, but you're right though. Where it does seem like it would have to be induced because otherwise seven would be seven would be the person in the best position to piece everything together. Otherwise, like he not only has that information, but he's also a detective. So more so than anyone else, he'd be able to like figure out who Lotus is, maybe recognize Akane or Santa, or something like that, and be able to just be like, oh, like I know all this. Or I mean, we're still Ace and the Ninth Man. 
I mean, most of the exposition of the game hinges upon Seven getting his memory back at key moments. Yeah. I mean, there's there's the one where if you if you hit the submarine ending, uh, which I think is I don't remember if you get this in the true ending as well. Bizarre but ending. Where yeah, where he goes through and he explains uh, the whole way that he had been like on Ace's trail and he finds like the the kidnapped kids and then he ends up on the on the ship as well. Does that come up in any other ending? Uh, that is that's the door two to or door three to door two ending i think that's i think that might be submarine i don't know could we talk for a minute though about the fact that the submarine the presence of a submarine in the submarine ending just makes no fucking sense that entire room doesn't make sense yeah and it only you only ever find it in that ending right yeah, yeah. that Weird. just bugged me yeah. I was like why is there a submarine in the bottom of a ship in the middle of a desert <laughs> well Nothing i guess makes it's supposed sense, to be guys I mean, you're, it's supposed to be presenting the fact that you are out on the ocean. Yeah. But it's like, you've done that effectively already. And this is just weird and crazy. I don't know. I remember the first time getting through and coming out and being in the desert. I remember that being just like such a big thing for me. And I don't know if it was like, it, I don't, it, it probably would have been enough just to have everything else. But I feel like having seen that submarine and like all that stuff just sort of like so reinforces that idea that that's the case. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. But, like, nobody was really meant to go into that room. <laughs> True. So, and, like, what, what, and that's, what purpose can it possibly serve besides reinforcing that idea? There's no way that submarine can be used for anything. Unless it's, like, like a, like a drill marine. I don't know. And you just, like, sink down below the ship and then drill through the, the crust of the earth until you hit ocean? Like, well, I mean, maybe what you else would, is... Maybe you would even just use it to go in and out of the ship like I bet it, you would just use it you'd go and you'd only go maybe like 12 feet off to the side but then you'd surface just in the facility mm. and be able to get out and around that's maybe that's just the only way in it's interesting except for the number nine doors it's insane i don't know i love it i love that if that's the answer that the only way to get onto this ship replica in the middle of the desert is in a submarine <laughs> i mean it fits <laughs> In a weird way, it does, right? Like, it, not only is it ridiculous, which fits the game, but then there's the fact that, well, what would the other entrances and exits to the boat be, the ship? And if the ship is intended to be a replica of the Titanic, or rather the Gigantic, or what have you, then perhaps you would have this submarine bay, so they just needed to build it anyway, so that's just the way in and out. Right. I don't know. Yeah. How did you guys feel when the initial, like reveal of june as zero happened like what were your feelings in that moment before you because if i remember right you like the all the detail obviously comes after the fact yes right? though I, technically I, arguably the reveal is in the safe ending right where you have the zero bracelet and you determine that the actual number on the zero bracelet is six. Oh right right which doesn't necessarily say june is zero but it does like Point i feel like that's it. the first big Right, that's when you would suspect, you would spend your time playing the true ending, suspecting June. Yeah, now that that's in your head. Right. But. So you have that, and then you have the reveal that June is zero before you get all the rest of the details. Right. And so the idea, like, that June is the evil mastermind behind this notary game, like, how did that make you feel? I don't remember being as surprised as I maybe could have been. Um, there's a point, like, way early in the game i don't remember where somebody's like 
something along the effects of you can't trust anybody or you should be suspicious of even the person you trust the most or something along those lines. Yes. Yeah, and I immediately that. I was like, oh, uh, you mean like June? And, you know, there you go. And part of what informed it for me was Danganronpa because yeah. they spend they do they do this on a small scale with the very first case where they spend right. all this time building up this person as the one who's going to be your friend and then she tries to kill you. And you... Yeah. Spoilers for Danganronpa if you haven't listened to that episode. Yeah, the spoilers for Danganronpa that we spoiled in an earlier episode. I wasn't part of this podcast yet. Yeah, but you listened. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, how about you, Cleo? Because I, I can say I, I don't remember my, my very first reaction. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> but... I mean, as soon as he started questioning, like, oh, why do we know each other? Nobody else here seems to, like, know each other. Like, that seems a little bit weird. I was like, okay, so she's behind this. All right. <laughs> I accept this is probably going to, like, come up later. What if, this, what if this game had, like, a Revan reveal, KOTOR style? Yeah. Where uh, you, you've you developed amnesia or you had self-induced amnesia and you were actually zero. Cool. I had considered that at one point. That's what I was I mean, we know that thinking. induced amnesia is a possibility. Yeah. Basically. And I mean, the, the thing is, is that ultimately when there's only two people on the ship that you know know each other from the beginning, you're immediately going to be suspicious of the other person because you're the player character whole thing. But yeah. but KOTOR flipped that idea on its head, and even the player character can be the quote-unquote bad guy. Yeah. Spoilers, Spoilers for KOTOR. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a question. James, how many times have you played this game? Uh... Okay, so a play being just going from a beginning to a ending. Yes. And ending. Um, honestly, I don't know. Because I just now did it like four or five times. Um, well, do I don't you... think I got the knife ending coming into this one. I felt pretty good about that. I wanted to see the, the new ending that they added for the iOS version. It's not good. Um, <laughs> just like everything else about the iOS version. <laughs> you know, it's it, it's a neat idea. It Quick quick summary for that one. It's... Um, it's intended to shorten the distance between picking door three in the hospital, which actually locks you into an ending. Making that choice uh, actually means that you don't get to make any other meaningful choices throughout the rest of the game. Uh, so it's, it is just a, a different way of getting to a similar ending where uh, Clover goes nuts and starts killing everybody. Uh, except in this one, I think you're like the first one and she kills you with an overdose of Silveril. Yeah, or, no, she just she- doses you and then you drown. Yes, and she does it like immediately after door three. So like the yeah. game itself actually ends early. Yeah, you know, which is a really cool idea that I love seeing in games, like the the Far Cry four thing. Yeah, exactly. I have to say, I was excited to pick door three because I really wanted a scenario where Clover wasn't forced to look at her like exploded dead brother. Yeah, and then they immediately sent her in, and I was just like. Why would you do that? Yeah. That's like the worst. Why? Why would you do that? That's such a bad choice. Yeah. I was. Uh, I would like to swing back around it, but to answer your first question very quickly, I would say at least 20 times. Great. Um, but so, yeah, no, but in response to that, because I think that's one of my big criticisms of the game, mainly because it gets so close to doing a good thing with this. There are a lot of things that are pretty locked into like a set few tracks. And so you actually you don't have quite as many opportunities to do something like that where you would say, I know what's behind this door and I want Clover. And I say, say you saw the accenting to start and you say, okay, I know what's behind this door and I want to create a situation in which Clover doesn't go just like Jason Voorhees on everyone. So what can I do to help 
clover through those things? And the answer to that is kind of non-obvious. The answer to that is you need to have already gotten this bookmark from Santa behind, like, door four. Yeah. And yeah, then, during the sweets. Yeah, and then give that to her, like, at this later point after she's already upset. Or even then, I was like, okay, well... So it's things like that, right, where I wanted to say, okay, well, how can I do things like, say, keep Clover away from Ace? How can I stop Clover from getting the axe? How can I stop Clover from seeing Snake? How can I do something like try and keep Ace and Lotus separate from each other in all these situations? And you actually have a lot, um, you have a lot less agency in that than is, than it, it feels like, than it feels like the game kind of wants you to think you have. Yeah. Um, which is frustrating because I remember thinking the exact same thing. It's like, okay, what if I did this? And it's, it, you have to put yourself as the the most important actor in that. It's it's a game about where Junpei is and the characters with whom he interacts, as opposed to saying, I'm going to take this hit and go through this not very exciting place because that means that I can keep these two people who I don't want together because I know that them being together is bad news away from each other or because I want to make sure that Ace doesn't get this gun right. or something like that. And it ends up really being much more about where you are than where other people are. And I remember my first few times playing through, that was my instinct, was to do exactly what you're talking about. It's like, okay, how can I keep Clover away from this? How can I keep Santa away from that? How can I stop June from going in here? She got this fever last time. I, sh- I want to be, what if I don't bring her to the engine room? Is she better then? And of course, this is before you realize that her fever is Marty McFly syndrome, where she is ceasing to exist. Because you're doing it wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, like that's my favorite. It's like, if you make a wrong choice, yeah. she gets sick. Yeah. And it's why, like, in the safe ending, Zero comes in and is like, no, you didn't lose. I lost. And you're just like, what are you talking about? And then Jude's body disappears. And you're like, <gasps> yeah. And it just vanishes. And you're like, oh, did she get up? Is she missing? I already kind of think that she's maybe that because I know that this stuff about the six bracelet or the zero bracelet. And no, it's just she vanishes because she ceases to exist because you failed to save her in the past. Yep. <laughs> like the timeline collapses it on itself. This fucking game, man. Right. It's insane. But but yeah, so that was the thing that I, I'm glad you reminded me of because I wanted to make sure it came up at some point because I completely agree where I felt like, oh, I can do this. And then the game's like, no, just Clover needs to do this. We need to set Clover up as like, being mid-crisis for this kind of stuff i just i really wanted to protect clover i had a lot of feelings about that yeah and i would say especially because it feels like if you can it it feels like protecting clover is the key to not getting the clover murders everybody ending yep right so especially if you get that early on it's something where you can go through and just like okay my goal is to just not make clover a serial killer and then what happens if i do that and then see you and then you it's like okay so now i have to juggle these things and it's just not quite the way the game actually works yeah which is okay i mean i i shouldn't i guess i shouldn't fault the game for thinking that it works one way and then it doesn't that's but still i have to say i think this would have been a very very different experience if i didn't have a guide to follow i honestly i cannot imagine trying to like keep i mean obviously there aren't a lot of choices you make but trying to keep all those combinations down in my head while remembering all the puzzles and everything else feels like it would have been a bit too much I, uh, as I was going through this the first few times, I actually, and it's part of why I decided to go up and, and, and write the, the guide that I did, um, I kept a little notebook of including all of the tracks that I went down and the endings that they got me and just tried to create like the, um, just to build out the flowchart for the game on paper. But I also kept track of how to solve each puzzle so I could go through and see what steps I could skip if I had to redo it again and again and again and, um. And yeah, like having that on hand actually was, was like, oh, I should just write this up and put it on the internet. But um, 
yeah, it was the kind of thing where it became, even as someone who was enjoying it, it became very frustrating. <laughs> where can one locate this guide of yours, James? Oh, uh, it's it's actually the, the IGN wiki guide. I'm like oh. the top contributor by a lot. And then there's two other people who fixed like typos once. <laughs> well, then. Yeah. So Fun fact, that guide you probably used yeah. at one point or another. So did anyone just happen to stumble across? I didn't want to say what one was mine, A, because I, I was just curious if you'd come across. I know that there are I used it good guides. Yeah, I used it for a, a puzzle that I was like too frustrated to like I was I, I just didn't feel like trying to solve a puzzle that was bugging me. I think it was the engine room. Yeah. Yeah. So fun fact, that was the one that I wrote. We're with a famous person. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like a wiki is kind of the, the best way to break up stuff for this game. Cause for before, sure. Because before I did that, there were a few game facts guides that were like really good and helpful, but it was way, it was so, so easy to like see something that you didn't want to see. Or someone would go through and just in the middle of describing this puzzle, they'd be like, June, who is zero, will do this. And it's like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. Why even bother? And now, to be fair, I, I there was nothing that actively got spoiled for me by doing that, so it didn't actually affect the game. But when I would go back and be like, okay, so how do I actually get this true ending? I've been banging my head against this for like a few days now. This is this has stopped being fun. Yeah. Um, and I would go through, and I would see a bunch of stuff like that where it would just be like, I don't, know, I just remember thinking that was so frustrating. But so like, oh well, a wiki would be good. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, does anybody have any other nine 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 thoughts that they want to get out? I don't think so. Covered a lot of stuff. Sounds like a resounding no. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I'm excited to privately talk about uh, this game again once everyone's played the sequel. Um, <laughs> I, as dopey as it sounds, I really hope that, like, I feel like more so than any other episode that we've done, I hope that someone who wasn't going to pick this game up does go out and find it because we happen to do this. And don't get me wrong, I, I, I do not overestimate our reach i know that most of the people listening to this are already friends and family which means they've already probably heard me say that they should play this but <laughs> still i don't know i i just think it's like such like a cool game and again there's there's so much that's like wrong with it or not great about it and i totally like accept and embrace all of that but it does so many just smart cool things that uh i don't know it feels like it wouldn't make it past most producers or publishers they'd go through and just be like no, we're not going to do this game that just like drops you into a thing and you have to play through it a bunch of times. And some of those playthroughs, you're just going to see stuff that you already saw and not get anything because you have to do like this really specific set of stuff that doesn't necessarily make sense. And I, I don't know it. You can see them designing that out as they move further in the series, but which is good and bad. But I, this is, it just seems like such like a special little package and it really does feel like kind of a masterclass in game design because the whole thing does feel like this just wonderful little puzzle box that you just have to go through and keep solving in different ways and you get like a little bit of information here this time or that time. And there's all kinds of story beats that aren't just fully explained. And you can go through and try and think through it and say, okay, well, I know this from this ending and I know that from that ending and maybe I can put these things together. And even if it doesn't actively do something, it does shed some more light on the story, which I think is a pretty cool thing. I, yeah, I, I hope that for whatever reason, if we at least got like one person who wasn't going to check this out to go and like see it just because I think it is like such a neat little just object unto itself. Yeah. Even without the context of being a part of this greater series that I like and being from a publisher and developer that I like by and large, et cetera, et cetera, even outside the context of that, it's just such a neat little like atomic piece of game craft that I think is, it's very much a cult classic already, but I hope that it really gets some kind of like status that so we can go back 20 years from now 
and be like, oh, like what a neat little like art project that was, you know? I really hope that's the case. Obviously, if you're still listening at this point, it's probably a lost cause. You've either decided to listen to spoilers and not play it, or you've already played it. But, you know, tell your friends. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with that, God, I'm so glad we got to do this. I, I, this is the entire point of this project, this entire podcast. This entire podcast was just like an elaborate nonary game to get us to be able to talk about 999 together. What's yeah. my bracelet number? Yeah. <laughs> Now that, now that James has gotten us here, the podcast is going to yeah, go Yeah, we're done. Podcast over. <laughs> I lied about the solitude thing. <laughs> <laughs> no one watched Lost in Translation. Not happening. Don't expect. No, please come back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so I think that is going to wrap us for 999. If you enjoyed it, I guarantee you we're going to talk about it in the topic episode because what else are we going to talk about at this point? We all just want to talk about 999 some more. Am I, I mean, right, everybody? <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. But... So stay tuned for that. That'll be next time. After that, I'm really excited about the Solitude stuff. Joke as much as I do. Uh, I've already been reading Wind Up Bird Chronicles. I forgot how much I like that book. Yeah, same. Um, so come back for those. It's going to be Wind Up Bird Chronicle, Lost in Translation, and Gone Home. That's going to be a lot of fun. Until then, thank you so much for listening. By the way, uh, Ace's disease is prosopagnosia. I do, by the way, love uh, if you do go to the engine room and you take him to the cargo holds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you're just like, like, June collapses and you're like, oh no, I got a helper. Here, here's all of our faces. Use them to solve a puzzle. I'll be back. It's really easy. Only a complete moron would not be able to do this. (laughs) All you have to do is match the number to the face. And he's just like, fuck, 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 fuck. It feels like a puzzle that Zero added explicitly just to like taunt him. It has to be. Which is what, what else the rest can it of be? The ship is for, arguably.